Hi there, I'm Keith Cauley, and this is Thrive, a Bridgestone America's podcast where we explore our company through compelling conversations with teammates across our organization. This is a topic, honestly, that I've been wanting to discuss for quite some time. The Firestone Archives, a collection of materials documenting the life of Hari Firestone and the history of the Firestone Tire and Rubber Company, which of course is now part of Bridgestone. More than 120 years of history that is directly linked to American history here in the United States, from presidents to titans of industry to Mario Andretti. They're all part of the Firestone brand journey. And today we talk to Gloria Caples and Jen Andriola, two custodians, if you will, of the Firestone brand and this historic archive about the role that it plays. And more importantly, I think what wild and curious things live inside of the archives itself. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, we are joined in studio today by two women who are going to take us on a walk through history. I am very excited. This is a, a topic that I have a lot of interest and curiosity about. I think some of our listeners may as well. We're going to dive into the Firestone Archives. Maybe not literally. Jen has done that literally, just dove into the Firestone Archives, but also uh, really just learn about the value of the archives, what it represents for the history of some of our company, and what we're doing with it today. But across from me at the table is Gloria Caples. She is the Firestone brand manager with us here at Bridgestone Americas. Gloria, thanks for jumping in studio here. Thank you for having me, Keith. Yeah. And then in the middle of us is Jen Andriola. Jen, you are the lead archivist with History Factory, but your title also includes a description and metadata services. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. We um we can learn more about that as well. Let's start really first, though, by, by getting to know a little bit about the background of each of you, the perspective that you bring to this topic of conversation. Glow, let's start with you. What's been kind of your career path, your journey, and then what do you focus on in your current role? Yes. So I have been with Bridgestone now for over a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Prior to Bridgestone, I worked for nine plus years in college athletics, <laughs> working for doing marketing yeah. for universities. And then I had a quick stint before my starting with Bridgestone at a technology solutions company doing marketing. So my entire career, I've done marketing, which led me to Bridgestone, where I am the brand manager here, overseeing the Firestone brand and getting to um, have the oversight over the strategy for the Firestone brand, which connects back to college athletics. I'm sure people are like, what? But it does. Because <laughs> in college athletics, you are telling stories and you're getting fans to buy in. And so we do that with Firestone brand and our audiences. Absolutely. And whoa, what a story to tell, right? With Firestone <laughs> is what we'll unpack a little bit today. Jen, we will we will hear has been unpacking a lot of. The, I'm going to be using a lot of the the verbs and the words in both physical and uh, or literal and uh, and and non literal senses here. But uh, Jen, let's you work for the History Factory and you've been kind of helping lead this uh, Firestone Archives project. But what is your background, your journey, and how are you involved now? I started with History Factory right out of graduate school in 2004, which means I'm actually going to be there 19 years, <laughs> coming November. So I have worked with a number of Fortune 500 corporate collections, including New York Life, Mars Wrigley, Brooks Brothers, Subaru of America. This project started in 2017, mm -hmm. and it has been what I've done with the last six years of my life. <laughs> six years to cover back 130 years at this, or 123 years at this point. I got ahead of myself. That but is correct. Back to 1900 with the Firestone brand. I, I have curiosities. You, How did you discover, I guess, that you could be an, an archivist, like that this is a 
a career path for you? And I guess what has been that interest that led you to that? Um, I did want to be a doctor or a vet. Um, unfortunately, I can't do math. <laughs> so Same. That's why I'm in communications, all right? We're just words over here. <laughs> so we changed our major to history. Then I went and got a graduate degree, did want to get a PhD, and realized, whoa, that is a lot of money. Took some classes in archiving during while I was getting my master's degree. Found a company in Northern Virginia area called History Factory. Started working there. The plan was only to work at History Factory a couple years, then go get a PhD, and now it's 20 years later. So, still an archivist. Moved my way up through the ranks of the archivist at History Factory and have worked on some really, with some great clients and huge projects. This is the largest archives history factory let alone most archivists have ever seen oh, in their man. lives oh, well let's let's get into that then i think starting at the base level glow you as firestone brand manager kind of have this oversight on the archives as part of your role when somebody's like what what are the archives the firestone archives uh, is it something that's always been i mean jen mentioned she's been working on it since 2017 but this stuff dates back a lot farther what's i guess the history of the the archives Yes. Yeah, so the history of the archive is documentation of the Firestone archive started in the 1800s. So to oh, be it's specific, more than see my math is already bad. This is why we don't do math. Yes. So to be specific, <laughs> it was 1897 is the year that the first documentation of the archive began. My math says 274 years. Perfect. Let's move on. <laughs> And so in 1943 is when the first archivist was hired, William Overman, by Harvey Firestone Jr., because Harvey found that the the archive would be important to the longevity of the company and being able to document history in case anything ever happened. They could always go back and see what went well, what went wrong and how we can improve moving forward. And I guess through that time and I guess what you see now, what role it, it seems like that's that's amazing that the family had the foresight to say we should start documenting this because it has value. What role has it served and maybe does it continue to serve for the company? Yes. So the Firestone Archive preserves and champions the legacy of the Firestone brand. And it also serves as an invaluable resource to Bridgestone Americas. And it does that by enriching and informing the work that we do day to day, as well as reinforcing new business strategies that we are doing in the company. And also it helps us to highlight key milestones for the brand that we get to recognize. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later in the podcast. We will uncover. (laughs) That's what we call in the business a tease right there ahead. We will get to that uh, right after we start uncovering all 8,732,000 pieces that Jen has uh, documented in her metadata at this point. Um, (laughs) But uh, I I am curious. So, Jen, you said you've worked on some other Fortune 500 companies, but this is by far the largest one that you've worked on and, and compared to many out there. When you see these types of projects, how do you how do most companies approach them? It seems like Firestone was forward thinking on this. How do you talk to companies about the value as well, like as, as Glow just said. Um, but what what do these types of projects in general do for companies and society to be able to document? If something were to happen to the business, the business would be able to restart itself. Mm-hmm. So you have critical documentation in there, such as articles of incorporation, bylaws, and such like that. But also 
oftentimes companies will pull from their brand heritage and repurpose it for marketing, as Glow was saying, because right now there's a lot of nostalgia. There's a wanting for that. So at least in the Firestone collection and many other collections, people will go back and repurpose advertisements or realia and use that in the field of marketing. Also, in intellectual property, a lot of times people will go back and look at their patents and those will be used in legal cases to hold up things in court. Mm -hmm. Have you seen other companies have a similar approach to this? This collection is different in that it has a lot of family papers in it. This is not just Firestone business. This is also Firestone family papers in here. So we have Harvey Sr.'s papers his personal papers and his business papers. Same thing with Harvey Jr. We have a lot of Harvey Firestone's senior's wife's papers, Ida Bell Firestone, who actually was a composer. So we have a bit more than most other collections do for as far as a corporate archives, I would say. When you started in your role globe, mm-hmm. what did you know about Firestone, I guess, as a brand? And then when you're like, hey, by the way, part of your role is that you have... 126 years, I think, is the mm-hmm. actual math of history documented here. Like, wh- how does your head wrap itself around that? So my first, um, I would say, knowledge of the Firestone brand would be our FCAC stores mm-hmm. because I would take my car there. But once I um, knew that I would be over the Firestone archive, my first question, like many teammates ask me, is like, what is the Firestone yeah. archive? Um, what value does it bring to the company? How do we utilize it? Those were questions that I had. And thankfully, I was able to lean on to Jen and the History Factory staff to help educate me and get me up to speed on the archive. But what I learned from it is that it's a very valuable resource to our business. It tells the history of our company and our story, which is a great story. And so it just allowed me to get even closer to the brand and to to have an even greater appreciation and to be an even bigger brand advocate <laughs> for it than I already am. Yeah. Because I know the history of it. And also it's an inventory of experiences that it holds from everything from events to documents, as well as like business strategies. Like there's everything you can think of within the archive, which is pretty cool. Yeah. When you think of the role that Firestone plays in racing, that dates back to 1919 and maybe even before 1911. You you mentioned FCAC, which is our Firestone Complete Auto Care stores. That's more than 100 years of history in retail store automotive service there uh, in the Bridgestone retail operations footprint. So yeah, multiple stories even to check and then to have the family inside that is quite interesting. So Glow came in after this had already started a little bit. She said she's been here for a little over a year. You started, Jen, on this in 2017. I guess, how did this come to History Factory and... Where has it gone in those years since? 2017, Chris Karboyak, who was the chief risk officer and chief administrative Mm -hmm. officer, she had a dream. The collection that was being held at the University of Akron, Mm -hmm. the pipes burst and the collection got water damaged. Mm -hmm. And she called History Factory and said, we're going to sign. How soon can you get started? We, we need something maybe a little bit more for the long haul. Here. Yeah, because yeah. the collection was on deposit at the University mm-hmm. of Akron. Being on deposit means that they've put it there and there is an intent to do something with the collection. They had it in a repository to keep it safe. Yeah. 
but no money had ever been donated towards the university to ever do anything with this collection, meaning to preserve it, to In organize it. it that moment. Yes, yeah. correct. So we got the phone call and History Factory worked to engineer with Bridgestone to engineer a solution as to where to do the work for this massive amount yeah. of records, which initially it was, I want to say, 70 pallets worth, roughly three football fields worth of material. You know, when you think about paper That's standing old. on its edge. <gasps> three football fields just of paper just stacked well, on its side. So History Factory worked to engineer a solution where we, we wanted to potentially bring all this material in-house, but we didn't have the space for it. Bridgestone looked for one of their properties that did have enough space. Turned out that it was the Tire Distribution Center in Jacksonville, Florida. So I picked up my life, and in two weeks, yeah. I was down in Jacksonville, Florida. And History Factory, we hired a small staff, and we created a processing plan to weed through this massive amount of material. That That is my next question, right, is the process of it. How do we go about cataloging an archive that you said is three football fields worth of just stuff at that point. Fantastic and, and historical stuff, but that's just a bunch of stuff. You got to figure out what's in there, right? You do. At that point, we could, after surveying the collection, my boss, Chris Yu, has had done a thorough survey and assessment of the collection several years before during that 2015 RFP process. And from looking at that, we could tell that there was material that probably didn't need to be saved, especially once we were packing it up and really got in there. A lot of material we just determined was just out of the scope of the collecting of the archives, meaning it didn't directly relate to Firestone. We Firestone had a library at one point in time in their building in Akron. If material did not directly relate to Firestone, meaning automotive publications, publications relating to stocks or business, we pulled those out mm -hmm. and, and weeded them from the collection. So right now we only have material that directly relates to Firestone, rubber, or Akron, Ohio itself. So by doing that, we were able to, we also weeded out duplicates, meaning that we have three copies of everything, one for access, one for exhibit, one for preservation, that that's in accordance with archival policy. By doing that, we were able to get rid of, I want to say almost 600 to 800 feet. So that right there helped to narrow it down yeah. a lot. So Don Quixote, first edition that he collected, it's just out the door. We don't need it. It's not to do with rubber tires akron Ooh, see you later okay. don quixote i'm oh, joking there was yeah. no don quixote <laughs> there were <laughs> i will say that see, were, oh now we're getting into what's in there I will, Let's do I, it. Will, I will say there were some things i could not let go of yeah. that i'm, I'm the, the the news some of the newspapers that had sure. the challenger explosion on on the front that uh, sorry they may be in your collection <laughs> um, you, <laughs> It's, but there's na that's the reality of this is that there's national history mm -hmm. to some Correct. degree chronicled in this to be real, right? There are more presidents than I have ever seen in any other collection signatures or letters in the Firestone archives than I can pull out of my brain for yeah. you at the moment. Sure. But they go back to Warren G. Harding, yeah. who used to camp with Harvey. Okay. So this, and I think some of us have seen, if you've been around the brand or you've been to some events or if people have been to the Tower or Akron, they have some of these stories, obviously, about the history of, of Harvey Firestone um, and his 
collection of friends, right? That he was always involved with uh, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, right? The, the Vagabonds is this group. Yes. Um, Jen is getting, she's already got some stories to tell from this. But that immediately, like when you see photos of that, you're like, well, I know those names mm. from like when I was in grade school and they were telling me about stuff in history. So there's a lot of national history and historical fact of of importance there i could imagine this is the nice segue into the, i mean the, i've been we've been burying the lead for everybody we got to get people to listen to the rest of the podcast <laughs> but now the questions right what if we uncovered in here what are the cool like, let's go to you we'll let jen stew on this for a moment uh, glow as you've learned about what's in the archive what are some of the coolest the weirdest like i never would have thought of that that have come across your desk and in, in what you have found in there so the coolest for me is, you already touched on it a little bit, is the back bond trips, mm -hmm. which was the high-level glamping. <laughs> <laughs> They're like inventors of glamping, right? Yes, yeah. they really are. <laughs> that Harvey Firestone, Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, and John Burrow yes. for a small stint did together in their during their summer trips, which were pretty elaborate, to say yeah. the least. That's a nice but, way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> But really cool to see, you know, like you said, people that you read about in history and to be very intimate into like the stories of what went on during those trips and journals that they wrote when they were on them and photos of things that they did and how elaborate this was. Because yeah. like we think we glam, but no. <laughs> no, they, they had a chef. They had a kitchen tent. They had a cameraman. They had a photographer. They had full silverware. They had tables with white linens Henry Ford and Edison would have oat cradling contests or oh. wood chopping contests well now that's a mix of glamping and outdoor adventure right yes. there let's tie it all in a bow we have pictures of Harvey and Henry Ford in button down shirts just lumberjacking absolutely I love it <laughs> <laughs> tie it all. I, that, but I, I've heard a little bit about the glamping. I, I had familiarity from the 100th running of the Indy 500. We did celebrating the history of the brand, and it was in uh, association with these other milestones that we'd had with the archives. But they did like brought media and influencers out at the mid mm -hmm. or the center field of the the infield, excuse me, of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and recreated this clamping experience from back in the day that I think the archives were obviously heavily involved uh, in creating. But just, yeah, un untapped, unimaginable things that you have access to from the thoughts of these men who did all that together. It's crazy. We have documentation of it. And one other thing that is really cool related to that people I don't think know is that Ford, Edison, and Firestone would actually privately publish a yearbook every year and write captions and pictures and privately print it and give it to their friends. Uh, and it's like just uh, how many people are featured? It's like just that group no, of four it's guys? just them. Yeah, it's the yeah. pictures that their photographers took. And we have the correspondence going back and forth between all three of them saying what they want the caption to say and what it should not say. <laughs> Did, and the, or do we have the versions signed by everybody at the end of each year Absolutely. that says, never change, stay cool over the summer, Not we'll see you in the well, fall? <laughs> they're very, very <laughs> nice to each other. Obviously, it's letter writing is a lost art. Oh, sure, um, of course. Yes. Um, but, you know, they're, they're very much, Edison seems to have been the, the, the off one. Let me put it nicely that way. But, yeah, they printed these. Uh, I know we have them 
in the archives from at least 1918 to 1924. Mm -hmm. And I know we have some of them digitized on AEM, mm -hmm. as well as some of the letters where they're going back and forth debating what the captions should say for a particular picture. Gotcha. And AEM, we just like to explain acronyms for people. That's like our, our digital asset management system, right? It's the, That's the acronym for that. Uh, where we store all these digital files, yes. Yeah. Any other, before we let Jen just really go here, Glow, <laughs> do you have any other fun pieces that I do have another one. Jen knows where I'm going <laughs> with this one. But the weirdest thing to me in the yeah. archive is Thomas Edison's last breath. <laughs> How many pallets did that take? Well, what are we talking about here? Yes. So uh, Hold on, hold on. I just, Thomas Edison's last breath yes. is a... I don't, it's not even a, th it, it's in the archive. Let's hear, let, I'm, uh, I'm going to stop talking glow. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes. So Jen will <laughs> chime in to add a little bit more context, but we have a, I guess it's like a sample of one of his last breaths. So his son uh, gathered like eight tubes of his last breath. So this is, like, this is a test tube. Yes. Is the object. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, just a, a vial. Okay. That is then sealed, and we have one of the eight within the archive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm just going to sit back and let you hop in on this one because I got a lot to learn here. So, yeah, when, when you're opening up and going through material, you have these high-level inventories. But with a collection this size, yes, we're looking at them, but we're also continuously opening things. We're like, that's interesting. Sure. So, yeah, we get to this one box and we start to open it up. It's in a, it's in a shoe box and it says, for Harvey Firestone only. <sighs> and it, there's like a little handwriting on it that says Thomas Edison's last breath. Me and my colleagues like... That's just got to be bad handwriting. That can't <laughs> be what that means. <laughs> this seems weird. <laughs> so, you know, I alert, I alert my boss, Chris... Um, we're going to wait for you. Yeah, that's that's one you raise the alarm on a little that bit, is, right? That is, actually. <laughs> that, 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 this is one we're going to wait for you to come down here and okay. open. So do some research into it. Turns out when Thomas Edison was dying, uh, Henry Ford asked his son Charles to do him a favor. Henry Ford was a bit of an occultist, and he believed that the soul exited the body when the person died okay. through breath. So there were eight test tubes in the room when Thomas Edison passed away and Charles sealed them with paraffin wax after Edison died. So makes it. I, yeah. Okay. okay. Last breath. <laughs> so there were eight of them. One is at the Henry Ford on display. Okay. Not sure where the other six are, but apparently there's one mm -hmm. in the Firestone archives. In Jacksonville, Florida, right? Correct. Okay. Well, it's in Akron, Ohio now. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, and it, <laughs> it was in a Brooks Brothers box and it said for Harvey Firestone only. And on a trip down when Chris came to, you know, do a, do a check-in, we had him open it because I'm not opening that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and Feels a little delicate. So he opens it up and... You know, it's just it's just the test tube. It's a vial and it's... Glow has given us the vagabonds, the diaries, the, the correspondence of the extreme glamping of some classy lads. And also has provided us that the weirdest is Thomas Edison's uh, last breath in a vial. 
if that's her weird, I'm now we're going to you, Jen. What's on your list of what you've come across over okay, here? So, so I do go to the Gum Dippers reunion yes. yearly. Uh, um, and let me, for those who are not aware, so our retirees, right, the, are the Gum Dippers, and they meet annually each year. They're a collective group of people who used to work for the company that now keep uh, very close tabs with each other and connectivity. Yes. Once they realized who I was, who, who is this person who's showing up at a retiree reunion who's clearly not a retiree? <laughs> oh, she's the archivist. Oh, OK. Now we know who she is. Perfect. Bob Johnson, who was a former engineer, mm -hmm. he donated tire treads from Abe Jenkinson that were used on the Bonneville Salt Flats. Oh, wow. And those are just amazing. So this is one of my other questions we can get to. Like the archives are what you what there was there when you found it, but all, there's other things that exist that will be added Absolutely. to the archives. So okay, let's get there. So those are <laughs> those are actually something that we brought to the uh, the Indy 500 brand Firestone brand meetings, our global yes uh, global marketing meetings. So that was fantastic. Another thing that I brought that I just couldn't, now that they run the Indy 500 on Wiley Tires, mm. Edison also had a botanical garden in Florida. And Ford and Firestone actually funded that garden because Edison was also looking for a sustainable source of rubber in the United States. He was growing goldenrod, but he was also growing Wiley. Uh -huh. So we have a sample of Wiley synthesized in 1931. From Edison's Botanical Garden. Correct. Grown there and then synthesized up in the lab in Edison, New Jersey. That's amazing. So it only took, you know, nobody, I don't think anybody knows that it goes that far back. Well, no, I, I mean, we heard a little bit. Uh, so th I'll take this opportunity to plug previous podcast episodes where we have discussed the Wiley Project to great detail. No, but we discussed that there are decades of historical United States government research in that plant as well that we build off to to move it forward but yeah that's an extremely far back yeah at that meeting i also brought a, a, a not just a sample in a tube but a piece that was still pliable which was also really awesome yeah we can call these things what they are these are really cool things there was yeah i mean there are other dr harvey head is is weird so wait look and for everybody at home that the there are there are large busts like uh you know uh uh, normal size head busts bigger. Uh, out of stone, bigger than normal size and stone bronze. busts. But bronze, I have a bronze. One. I don't know that I've seen the bronze one. Mine was like it was a white, oh. unfinished. Um, but I, I act like I have a Harvey. Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> right that, that's not you. what I have. No, I, but I was in the office one day. Someone was actually Chelsea Smith, who uh, mm -hmm. worked on the archives before Glow did, sat next to me at the office. And I was there one day and somebody said, is that where Chelsea Smith sits? And I said, yes. And they said, great, thanks. And they went around the corner and then they just brought a bust of Harvey Firestone's head and set it on the desk next to me and said, just make sure she gets this. And I went, <laughs> OK. So that was my, uh, you know, uh, my you Harvey. You were sitting next to great company there. <laughs> of course. Yes, absolutely. There were a lot of she was wonderful, but there were also a lot of random funny things like that that would happen to get dropped off at her locale. Yes, I, I would believe that because they a lot of them probably made their way to the archives in me. Yes, yes. <laughs> Another one is, so for a sh very short period in time, maybe the late 40s, early 50s, Firestone also made airplanes and helicopters. Okay. There is maybe an eight-page manual on, to teach yourself how to fly. Seems like a short manual. <laughs> 
seems like not something you should be also be doing without instruction. I don't think it would be approved. Today. I don't think so either. You, you pull this string here and you poke that thing there and it goes. I don't know what's so hard about that. I'm just... I, that was just another thing. Like, this yeah. doesn't seem okay. The confidence, <laughs> right. though, is fantastic. There are other, like, great things that I think are awesome with Harvey's glasses, mm -hmm. which you have to think are yeah. awesome. Yeah, great style, I must say. He did. <laughs> yeah. And then his driving goggles, which yes. I also ah. brought with me to oh. Indy. Oh, I was like, you have them here right now? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> That, that would be burying the show lead, tell. by the way. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Driving goggles, great glasses. Yes, indeed. And, I mean, you, you mentioned it here. You were at a gum dippers. Somebody brought you something that they had found. I know we have a couple of things that are at the the tower and how they're displayed in the new building that we uh, you uncover these at stores or at plants where they're found in rooms. The idea that the archives is a living thing. It's never complete. Uh, how I guess are there things out there that were like, hey, we know these exist, and maybe one day we'll find them. Or how do you approach just knowing that there it'll never be a finished thing? Yeah, yeah I would say it's never a finished thing. One thing is, I am going to Gum Dippers next month. Yeah. Hopefully, somebody will bring some unknown. Except what we goodies? don't want the tire ashtrays. Please don't bring me tire ashtrays. <laughs> no more. <laughs> We got enough. We've got our three copies, one for display, one for posterity. One. Got more than that. Right now, we kind of collect stuff organically. Mm -hmm. It just seems to show up that somebody reaches out to either Glow or myself saying, hey, we have this item. Would you like a copy of it? Or, yeah. And, you know, we'll say yay or nay. In the future, we would love to write an acquisition policy mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. write some guidelines about what we should and should not accept, sure. kind of like what I just said. Mm -hmm. but We're done. We've met our limit on the, our quota on these things. Correct. Yeah. I would also say that we... we get teammates who are abroad and they'll yeah. let us know of different Firestone items that they have yeah. seen because we recently we had a team member that was in Spain and took a picture of a Firestone poster that we do not have in the archive and so we're now looking into seeing how we can get either that or a copy of sure. that into the archive so a lot of times it's teammates or retirees who reach out to us about either things that they have that they would like to give back to us or things that they've seen while they were out and about and think it would be great for the archive to have. Yeah. Well, no, look no further for the Firestone guitar that is hanging here in the studio. It is kept very safe and sound. We oh, keep a close cool. eye on that. But as the, I was commissioned, I think in 2019-ish, uh, official tire of country music, a lot of that uh, activity that we did a few years ago, but custom built here in Nashville. And uh, it's it's a nice asset for us here in the studio. So if you, when you need that, you let us know. But if it goes into your, your catalog, this is its current locale. Is it 68 degrees in here? 45% humidity? Yes. Um, <laughs> everybody behind the scenes is shaking their head yes in a very non-confident way but yes yes it is exactly that we, moving on anyway um, no but uh, I, I think one of the other questions we often get when people find out about the Firestone archives is is there a Bridgestone archive right and I think there are different things but I guess Glow what is your awareness obviously this is not out of the Americas it would be out of Japan but what is I guess the history 
keeping process for Bridgestone in Japan? Yes. So we do have a Bridgestone archive. I do not know the status of where it is as of today, but I do know that our teammates in BSJ are currently working on it and getting it to a position to where the Firestone archive is. We also here in the Americas, as we say, we do have some artifacts that are a part of the Bridgestone archive. And so on AEM, there will be access to the Bridgestone archive that we have access to, but it does not have all of the resources that BSJ have. We hope to one day have it where it does, but we don't currently. Yeah. And certainly they do. I mean, that the history of Bridgestone in the the country in Japan uh, is is obviously very deep, similar to the the Americana kind of aspect of what Firestone is here in the United States. But I know in our campus in Kodaira, which is our big innovation Mm -hmm. campus, one of the buildings there is the Bridgestone Innovation Gallery. They have kind of a historical walkthrough of some of the, the past decades of Bridgestone and its innovation and uh, showing it through the years. And then I think the other thing, too, is, you know, how we talk about Harvey Firestone mm-hmm. as a pioneer and the founder, Shojiro Ishibashi, the founder of Bridgestone, very much similar in mindset, pioneering ways. But he, his family has a foundation that I think also keeps mm-hmm. a lot of the family side uh, of those kind of historical uh, documents in, in line as well. So certainly there's a lot of that. You can actually in a plug for that on Bridgestone.com, You can the, the global site that you can find the Innovation Gallery and there's a digital walk through that as well to see some of that. We, we've reached about the end. I'll let you off the hook here in a minute without uh, too many other questions about what else you've found. But I think when we talk about earlier what this does for uh, the company, what it does for the brand and how we use this. I guess, how are we looking at the next several years? I guess there's probably still archiving work being done, but also how do we plan to maybe use some of this stuff? Yeah. We're looking forward to the 125th anniversary. Yeah, at 1920 or 1900, so it'd be 2025, right? right. Yeah. Yes. There's now a Firestone brand archive that is incredibly rich in heritage, yeah. and we're looking forward to working with Bridgestone to create an event around it to tap the potential of the archives. Yes, and I'll, I'll add to what Jen said. The 125th anniversary is a great time for us to be able to celebrate the Firestone brand and yeah. to be able to expose our teammates as well as external parties of the Firestone brand and the longevity of the brand and its significance in America. Like, Firestone is a, is American history, and yeah. that's the really cool part about it. So we get to amplify that during the 125th anniversary, as well as we're currently planning on how we can expand the archive to where it'll be accessible eventually externally. Yeah. Well, I know we've, we continue to use it. Uh, the 125th is coming up. We had a Harvey Firestone, I think it was 150th birthday yes. celebration a couple of years ago. We made this entire uh, conversation happen without mentioning Mario Andretti once. He's a big part of <laughs> Firestone is. history. He's in there a couple of times. And I know we had items to celebrate the 50th anniversary of his Indy 500 win they, two uh, years yep. ago. We absolutely pulled items from the archive. Yeah. Some of his, even some of his correspondence is in there. His photographs are in there. Yeah. That there was a that, the life size. I guess it was his his uniform or the the suit he wore and his helmet. But we had it life size, all four foot eight of it. But no, I'm, I love you, Mario. Weren't you're taller than four foot eight? I promise. Um, <laughs> but that was part of the part of the display. But yeah, great cool stuff like that as well for all the racing fans. All lives uh, within the archives. And I will say, and he, was a, he had a dealership. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. For Mario Andretti is that a part of the archive, too, is that we do oral history interviews. And he is one of the people that we have done an oral history interview with, which is really cool to hear his take on the Firestone brand and the importance it played in his career, as well as him going through different items within the archive and seeing his younger (laughs) younger self. So it's like really cool to, to see that as well. I have to imagine at Gum Dippers, they are like asking you, can I do an oral history? A lot of them. Two of them don't know that they have been nominated. No, just one. <laughs> um, but one of them we did do with the very first year. Yeah. They quiz me when I get there yeah. on, on how well I know history. First question is, have you been to the Edison Botanical Gardens yet every single year? And you pull the Waiuli out of your pocket and say, have I been? Also, the Gum Dippers, I, I love them very much, but I cannot party with them. <laughs> They learned from the glamping days of Firestone. Yes, clearly. Go big or go home. They that do. That was always the mantra of the vagabonds is what I just made up. I didn't read that anywhere. No, wonderful, wonderful times. No, I, I know talking to a few of our recent retirees that, that I got to work with, whether it was Chris Karbawiak or Phil Pacey, I mean, th- those were things they got very excited about was doing oral history type conversations because there's so much to share there and, and enjoy and re- reflect on. And History Factory orchestrated those along with mm-hmm. Bridgestone. Yeah. We were involved in all of those. Wonderful. So, well, thank you so much to both of you for taking the time. Uh, I have so many more questions to uncover, <laughs> but we'll wait, I think, just for maybe in the future when this is available to peruse. Uh, everything just going digital, right, Jen? We're just going to digitize it all. <laughs> digitize <laughs> it do. all. But wonderful to talk to you and learn. I have, uh, like I said, a lot more to uncover. Maybe we'll do another one down the road. But Glow, thanks for stopping by and spending some time. Jen, as well, for coming in. Uh, this was a great conversation. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Certainly right now, the Firestone Archives has been limited in its access, even internally at Bridgestone, as it continues to be cataloged and preserved. But we're excited about that potential shared that down the road, it may be even more accessible to anyone outside that can explore the impact the company and the family of Firestone have had on the tire and mobility industries, American business, and beyond. And of course, some high-level info on the history and timelines of Firestone the brand and Bridgestone can be found always online at Bridgestone americas.com if you like this chat well be sure to listen to some of our other conversations wherever it is you listen to podcasts remember you can also watch episodes if that's your thing on the bridgestone america's youtube page wherever it is that you hear us feel free to give us a rating or a review to let us know how we're doing and of course you can always chime in send us a question an idea for an episode topic or some feedback via email just send a note at thrivepodcast at bfusa.com Thanks for listening. I'm Keith Cauley telling you to keep on keeping on. And remember, as always, at Bridgestone, today, tomorrow, together, we thrive. Be good, everybody. Mm